Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, good morning. I commend you all for being here when they're saying it's going to snow while we're here. But uh, we're New Englanders, right? We've been here. We know how this goes. Uh, I remember my wedding day. If you were ever married, you remember one, maybe two, I don't know. But I remember my wedding day. Uh, I was 22 years old. Uh, my soon-to-be wife, 18 years old. I graduated from college. She graduated from high school. And um, planned the whole thing right, the ceremony. It's much simpler back there in that day where I lived. The reception was a, a beautiful wedding cake and peanuts and mints and punch. <laughs> All happened right there at the church. And our wedding was until like 7 o'clock at night. And anyway, uh, with no dinner, that's not a big deal. <laughs> but I remember being there and, and um, I was waiting in the back room. Uh, I don't know if the pastor was there or not, but it's a little small room and it's where the sound the amps were and where the stuff was back before we had a sound booth and all that. And there's a big reel-to-reel. And I had recorded on this reel-to-reel a song that I had written for her, for Glenda. And so that was going to be right at the start, and after that, the ceremony began. So it's my job. I'm the guy in the back, and I guess if I never turned it on, we never would have got married. But, <laughs> but I'm here back there, and I turned it on, and it starts playing. I'm listening. It's good. Everything's working. I went... I'm getting married. <laughs> you know, I mean, I knew, but it just finally just kind of sunk in and hit me. And, and I went out there and, and we're going through this. And we had, I think, what did we have, Glenn, three or four songs during the wedding, a lot of music. And, and um, but I remember standing there thinking, this is way too easy. If you're going to get married, they should put you through an obstacle course or something, you know. <laughs> If you make it, then you go, okay, you're committed enough. But anyway, of course, the, the, the most beautiful woman in the world was standing there in front of me, and, and I, I loved all that. But so I'm listening, and then we're doing the vows. And, and I remember uh, this very traditional vows with the pastor, you know, I, I can't remember if it's thy will or I do parts, I don't remember. But he, he talked about, and forsaking all others keep you only unto her. Forsaking all others. I knew what that meant, right? She is the first woman in my life and, and the one I'm going to love and I'm, nobody else is going to have any part of that at all. Okay? And so that was the commitment that we made. And it's a good thing we made the commitment <laughs> because life has a way of pulling you back from that, doesn't it? But we made that commitment and God has kept us together and it's just been... I've never regretted forsaking all others. Never once. Okay? And I know we all come from places in life and we come, you know, with our past and all that. Don't let that beat up on you right now, okay? But I want you to get this idea of forsaking all others. We get that idea what it means. That will help us to understand what we're going to look at today. We're talking about the hard side of following Jesus and so let's just do a quick review. Two weeks ago, we saw this. In fact, I want you to read it out loud with me, if you would. Go ahead and move that up there, Jim, if you would. Go ahead. Nope, not that one. 
<laughs> Got to get back in the sermon there, Jim. Because I want you to read it out loud with us together. There we go. Ready? Read that out loud with me. Here we go. Jesus and living for him comes before every relationship I have and every person I know, including myself. Okay, so in some sense, we're, we could say forsaking all others, right? We're going to keep ourselves to the Lord. Okay? So that idea, Jesus comes first, period. And then uh, last week we saw this. Let's read it together. I will follow the Lord no matter how difficult it becomes. Now, just like when you get married and you say you're going to, you know, for better, for worse, right? Till death is part. That's not always easy. Sometimes you reach places where you don't even know how you can do that. Well, same thing in our commitment to the Lord. Where I'm going to follow you no matter how hard it gets. But God, you got to help me. And that's his promise. He enables us to do it. That is so good. Uh, if somebody's demanding that you do something and you aren't able to do it and they aren't helping you, you're in a world of hurt, aren't you? Okay, but that isn't the way the Lord does it. He does command us this and he does expect us to submit, but he also enables us to do it. That's the kind of relationship we have with the Lord. And so today we're going to fin uh, finish up this section. So let's take our Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 14. It's page 1203 in the Bible that's in the chairs there, and I would encourage you to, to follow along if you don't have a Bible with you. So in the first three verses, we got the stuff we just reviewed. Let's pick up in verse number 28. So Jesus is still talking to his disciples. Actually, he's talking to the multitudes who were following him. And he says, for which of you, intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it. Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Okay, so you don't want to start something you can't finish. You need to count the cost. Verse 30, saying, oh, verse 31. Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. Or else while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. Hey, I don't think we can win this war. We need to make peace here. And then verse 33. So likewise, in the same way, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Man, we've gone from make sure Jesus comes before every other person. You know, following Jesus is more important than how hard it is. And now he says, you got to forsake all. You have to forsake it all. Well, really important word. We need to understand the definition of what it really means is that word forsake. So let's Let's talk about this. In the Greek language, this word is um, a combination of a prefix and a word, okay? Uh, the word, it literally means this, to arrange in an orderly manner, to assign a place for something, okay? So the idea, you have stuff, and, and we're talking about forsaking all you have. You have all this stuff, and so there's a sense in which you need to decide where does this go? Where does it belong, okay? Then there's the prefix, and the prefix means off or away from. And so what we're looking at here, uh, 
Yeah, let's go ahead and go to the next slide there. This, when we put those things, two things together, we're talking about arranging and ordering all you have in a way that's what? Away from you. You're setting it apart. You're taking leave of it. Okay? Now, the way this word gets used in the Bible are things like this. I withdraw from. Okay, I'm withdrawing from something. Or I'm taking leave of something. I'm renouncing something or I'm sending it away. All right? So that's the, the Greek word underlying this. The English word, the English dictionary, very clear, means to renounce or turn away from entirely. All right. So what do you have? What do you have? Well, you have some amount of money. Some of you might have a lot. Some of you might. But so when this idea of forsaken, does this mean that we have to either give away or sell everything that we have and give it to the poor? Because he's saying what? Forsake it all. Renounce it. Turn it away. Leave it. Let it go. Now, before you get in a hurry to try to explain this away, let's really think about this. Because there's reason that we might ask that question. Many of us, not all of us, some of you may not know, but there's a story of, of a man that's described as a rich young ruler. He obviously had some sort of authority. He was very wealthy. He comes to Jesus. He's come to think, wow, this Jesus, I think, is who we've been looking for. And so he talks to Jesus, and Jesus says, so he says, what do I have to do? And Jesus says, okay, you've got to do these things, basically the basic things of living for the Lord. And then he said, I do all that. What else? What do I lack? Says Jesus looked at him and Jesus had compassion on him because he could see where he was at. And here's what Jesus told him. What you need to do, what you have to do, is you have to go sell all of your possessions and give the money to the poor. And then you can come follow me. Wow. So is this what this means for us? Oh, well, we real quick, we explain it away, you know, I'm sure. But the idea is this, that who did Jesus say that to? He said it to the rich young ruler. And it's very clear in the context that what Jesus saw was that this was an issue for him and that he could not choose to put Jesus first in his life because something else was first in his life. Okay? And so Jesus tells him, you must do that. Is it possible that there would be somebody today who would need to do that? Sure, it's possible. But Jesus said it to this man. Now, there's another portion of scripture that kind of that makes us ask this question. And this is in the very early days of the Christian church after Jesus had been here, died, rose from the dead. The Holy Spirit had come into the body and the church is new and it's functioning. And it, it needed, the, when the church actually started on the day of Pentecost, there were people in Jerusalem from all over the world who had come to worship for that particular feast. They heard the gospel. They learned about Jesus. They received him as savior. Their lives are changed. And they don't leave Jerusalem. At least not for a while. This is all new. They're excited. They're there. They're a part and they are staying and they're learning and growing. And all part of God's plan because eventually they're gonna have to go back home and take the gospel with them. But they're stuck there. They're staying there. They don't have a place to live. They don't have food to eat. They don't have money in a bank. I mean, you know what I mean? They don't have ability. And so what was happening is the Christians uh, there from the area who had like, maybe they owned a piece of land or they had another house or 
or they had possessions that were worth quite a bit of money. It says they sold those things and brought all of the money from that and brought it to the apostles, to the church, to take care of the people who were still here, to help them. All right? And so they were selling something and giving it all to the Lord. Well, there was a couple named Ananias and Sapphira who also had a piece of land. And for whatever reason, uh, they, they chose to sell it. Maybe they were well-intentioned, but they, they did not give all the money from it. We'll talk about that in a minute. But they told everybody they did. Right? We're doing like all of these other people. We sold it and we're giving it all here. And I don't know how that, the details of that went down. But that's what they did. And in the process, they are confronted through the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Peter. And it's tough, but he says, you lied. You lied to God. You're trying to lie to God's people. And he took their lives. They were suddenly ushered into heaven, probably. Oops, here I am. But we get this sense, wait a minute, maybe we are supposed to sell all we have and give it, right? Because God killed Ananias and Sapphira. But no, it's very clear, Peter's conversation with them, he says to them, he says, hey, wasn't that your land to decide whether to sell it or not? Oh, so they were what, free to keep it or sell it? And he says, after you sold it, wasn't the money all yours? Yeah, to do with as you please, yeah. So why did you lie about it? And you lied to God. You tried to lie to me. And so he dealt with it. But so once again, we see that, that these people with that money, there's no blanket commandment for Christians that if you have possessions and lands, or you have to give it all away to follow Jesus. That's not the command. Okay. So what is the command? We're going to flesh this out a little bit more in a minute, but here's the command. He says, I give, this is what I say, I give all of my life, all of my possessions, and everything I control completely to the Lord, and I will do with them whatever he leads me to do. Um, Is that what he says? You have to do what? Forsake all. And so what he's saying here is that whatever possessions we do have, we need to let go of them. Now, we may still have them and be managing, but we let go of them and say, God, okay, this house that I live in, I own this as far as the world is concerned, right? But I am letting go of this house, and it's yours. See what I mean? I'm setting it apart for him. It's his house. Now, God, so I gave you the house. Do you want me to still live in it? Help me know. Do you want me to still live in it? Because it's, it's yours now. Maybe you say, yeah, it seems like I'm supposed to keep living here. So you do. But God could very well put it in your heart. No, I don't want you to keep living here. I got something else for you. But see, that's where we need to be in that surrender. Is this making sense? Yes. But we have let go of it. The car. Let go of the car. You know? And here you go. You know, Lord, if you want the car to break down, it's your car. <laughs> but the idea is, Lord, what do you want me to do with this car? You want me to use it? I have all this money I've saved up for my retirement. What do you want me to do with that, Lord? 
I'm letting go of it. I am not depending on the money I have saved for retirement. I'm depending on God. Because I have let go of this. Now, it's, it's my name's still on the account, isn't it? But in my heart, I have forsaken it. I've said, I'm letting go of all this. God, it's yours, not mine. Tell me what you want me to do with it. And so I think a real short phrase that might help us to remember this is that we need to let go and lean in. Okay? So we're going to let go. And then we lean into the Lord and say, okay, Lord, I'm listening. Show me, teach me, direct me. So we've let go and we lean in. Okay? Now, over the years, I've actually heard some sermons that said this, but more often than not, it's, it's we as Christians trying to figure out how to deal with this forsake all and, and do all this, you know. Um, and so I hear this. Well, maybe we don't have to give everything away. Maybe we just need to be ready and willing. You don't have to give it away. Just be willing to. We hope. And, um, but that's not true. How do you know if you're willing? And Jesus here didn't say you have to be willing. This idea, maybe we have to give everything away, we just need to be ready and willing to, isn't right. I don't think it is right. Go ahead and move one more if you would there, Jim. So we say this, but here's the point. When we look at the passage, let's look at the passage again real quick. Verse 33, so likewise, whoever of you is not willing to forsake, is that what it says? No, it says whoever of you does not forsake. Jesus is requiring the forsaking. Jesus is requiring of giving it away to him and to use as he sees fit. So we do have to give away everything to the Lord. We do, and then do whatever he tells us to do. Because think about this. We say we want to put the willingness factor in there, and willing is important, but the only willingness that matters here is a willingness to follow the Lord, which means what? I'm willing to follow the Lord, you must forsake all. This is a serious commitment. And so we say this again. I give all of my life all of my possessions, everything I control completely to the Lord, and I will do with them whatever he leads me to do. So in the passage, Jesus says, you know, hey, don't, you need to count the cost. Count the cost. And I want you to say that, understand that when we choose to follow Christ, it does, let me back first of all, say it costs us nothing to be saved, doesn't it? Because we have sinned against the holy God. We know that. Our sin earned us a guilty judgment, a guilty verdict, which brings us a sentence of hell. Uh, but God sent his own son, Jesus, into the world, lives that perfect, sinless life, and is able then to die on the cross and take the penalty for our sins. This is what he did. He took the penalty for our sins. God accepted it as the payment for that. Three days later, he rose from the dead miraculously, uh, proving he is who he said he was and that he did what he said he was going to do. And what do we have to do to then get that for ourselves, that forgiveness? Got to give some money? 
I'm asking you, got to give some money? No. Got to do some good works? No, what do you have to do? You have to say, God, that's me. I'm the one who needs this. I believe this. I'm trusting. I'm going to trust you. And the moment we do that, man, he forgives every sin we ever have or ever will commit. He paid the penalty in full. We get eternal life. When this life is over, we're going to continue living in heaven. And he moves in. He moves in. Deep down, so we are born again, his spirit within us. And it begins to change things from the inside out. And what did that cost us? What did that cost us? See, that's right. It's by his grace, his gracious gift. It's the gift of God, his eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. All right, so that costs us nothing. But in a sense, it also costs us everything. Because, remember we say, we receive Christ as Savior. This is our timeline of our life. We receive Christ as Savior. And God's intention for all of this is that we can grow as Christians and we become his followers and we live that way. And Jesus says, yeah, okay, you want, you're going to be my follower, but to do that, you've got to forsake all, everything else. You've got to forsake it all. Then come follow me. And so that's where we find it does cost us everything. Man, I'm trying to think. It, it costs us everything. Well, no, it's because we forsake it all, right? It's not just our money and our possessions. It's also our talents, our abilities, our opportunities, our plans, our the things we already looked at, our relationships, our comfort, it costs us all of that. But so here's what Jesus is calling us to. He's calling us to make this kind of surrender, okay? And this, Lord, I surrender now and forever to follow you. And that means whatever, whenever, wherever, however, with whomever, and any other evers you can think of, right? Whatever it means, Lord, I've forsaken it all. I'm going to follow you. So in a sense, it does cost us everything. But man, you know, I... I made this decision many years ago. Haven't always lived consistently with it. God has to get my attention and say, uh, remember? Oh, Yes. And so it's not perfect, but I've followed it consistently over the years. And, you know, I have never regretted that morning that I prayed that. Not once. And neither will you, if you from the heart say this. Now, let's go back to our passage. So look in there with me if you would. Here's the example. So he talks about counting the costs, and he gives the example of building something and then finding out you what? You don't have what it takes to finish it. Oh. Then he talks about looking at going to war and realizing that you what? You don't have what it takes to win that war. And so here we are talking about making this huge commitment Surrendering to the Lord about this. And I'm going to follow him. Give it all. I'm going to do it right. Exciting. The truth is this. You don't have the resources or the ability to succeed. They're following him. 
You see the passage where Jesus, he uses the example, he says, in the so likewise, he says, in the same way as these people who said, oh, I'm going to do this and realize I don't have what it takes. I'm going to do this. I don't have what it takes. He says, in the same way, you got to forsake all you have and follow me. Okay, I am going to follow you, Lord. Uh-oh. I don't really know completely what that means. I, I know that I'm weak. I have things that, are, that I'm going to struggle with. I don't... I am not able to do this the way I'm supposed to do it, Lord. So do you understand you don't have the resources? You don't have the ability. Well, guess what? Jesus does. Jesus does have all the resources we need. And he will enable us to forsake all and follow him. He will. We've looked at, I think, Paul twice in the last two weeks, how when he had a problem, he couldn't overcome it. He wanted to follow the Lord faithfully and he's asking God to fix the problem. And God says, I'm not going to fix the problem, but I'm going to be there with you and I'm going to help you to deal with the problem and we're going forward together. And Paul said, cool. It's in the Greek. Cool. And he, he went with it. And so this teaches us something. People get excited about all sorts of causes in life. And there are people who've done some amazing things as far as, you know, they've, they've made huge changes in their life to help somebody or a, a project. or They do all that and they, you know, they can get out there and do it, but that's not the way the Christian life works. Not the way God intended for it to work. And so what we see is this forsaking all includes giving up. I'm going to forsake my own abilities. I'm letting that go. I'll use them, Lord, however you want me to, but they're yours. I let go of my own strength. You know, one of my spiritual gifts is not knowing when to quit. I don't think it's really a spiritual gift, okay? It's just kind of put your head down and keep going. But you know, that's a character quality I have. I need to give that to the Lord, don't I? I can do this, Lord. I'll just keep going. No, Lord, I'm giving you that. What do you want me to do, Lord? Do you want me to keep going? Or do you want me to stop this and do something else? You see how this works? Yeah. We're forsaking what? All. All right. And so forsaking all and following is a life of ongoing dependence on the Lord. That's what this is about. You're really community safe, God, I'm forsaking all and I'm going with you. Because God's grace, we discover, as I said about Paul, truly is sufficient for all. Amen. It is. Now, before we go any farther, let me ask you this. Who, um, who is it is telling us to come follow him? Who is it? Jesus. Some politician we aren't sure we trust? A good friend, but we know they aren't perfect. A parent who failed us. Who's asking us to follow him? The one who forsook everything to come and save us. Left heaven, son of God forever, becomes a human being, moves into this. Have you, do you ever look around the world at you and say, this is a sick world? No, not everybody. You know, people are made in God's image and they do some good stuff. But I mean, it's a sick world. It's an ugly world. It's a painful world. 
And what did he do? He came heaven. Came from the, the Bible describes this as he became poor. He left the riches of heaven and became poor so that we might get the riches of heaven. This is the one who does it. I mean, can you trust him? You know, we find ourselves saying, well, I don't, I'm scared to forsake this. Trust him. Who is he who's, ask, who's telling you to do this? Who is he? He's the one who, does he have all abilities? He has all power? Can he meet any needs you have? Well, I need a car. And it's broken down and God isn't telling me to buy a new one. Well, guess what? You don't need a car then. Not yet. By the way, this is so good in a way to live in this life too. And uh, I've had plenty of stretches when I've been living this way and glimpses. You know, you got to keep coming back and remind yourself of these things. But man, I used to have to worry about making sure I could make the house payment. I had to worry about trying to keep this old car running. I had to worry about the home of the kids. <laughs> right? I mean, all this kind of stuff. But when you make this commitment, you remember it's, wait a minute. I let all of that go to God. Can he take care of it? Can he use it in my life to lead me to do something or not? Yeah. And Man, when you are carrying that load, trying to live it, you're carrying that whole load all the time. You are tireder than you know. And when you finally let it go, it's, wait a minute, I don't have to worry about this another moment. What's the worst that happens? I mean, we could probably sit here and imagine a lot of really terrible things. I lose my house, I lose my car, I, my family gets sick and dies, and all this kind of stuff, and that's terrible, that's hard. God is using it all for eternal good in my life. Wow. He will, whatever happens in your life as a Christian, when you're seeking to follow him, whatever happens, he will say, I mean, the Bible says, he will use it for good. Doesn't necessarily mean the way you think is good, but he will use it for real good. So, I mean, it's, it's a freeing. This is what Jesus says, right? He says, you know, you're weary, you're tired. He says, come, come to me. I will give you rest. And the way I'm going to give you rest is put my yoke on you and let me lead and let me guide. He says, when you do that, you find rest to your souls. You know, you might be here today and saying, you know, I just, you know, boy, that's, that seems pretty extreme. I don't know. And, and I get that. I understand that from a natural perspective. And you might even be saying, I've tried the Christian thing and it just doesn't seem to work. These promises that, that, of what God is going to do, I don't feel like I'm ever experiencing that. It just doesn't seem to work for me. Well, let me tell you, so if, if, if here we are in life, in our, our, our timeline of our life, and we're here and we're looking at this issue and he's saying, forsake all and follow me. Do you know where the blessings are of the Christian life? Do you know all those promises he said you as, when you follow him, what you're going to experience and how it's going to go and how real you're going to find God to be and how glorious he is and what a wonderful, all those super blessings of Christianity, guess where they are? They're on the other side of this decision. That makes sense? You're over here trying to make it work when they, they don't work over here. It's when you forsake all and you go there on the other side. That's where you experience this. 
And so if you want the life that God talks about and promises in the Bible, you have to make this decision. And you've got to keep coming back to the decision. You've got to keep trying to live it out because they're on the other side of that decision. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. All right. So here's what he's calling us to here in this verse. I give all of my life, all of my possessions, everything I control completely to the Lord. And I will do with him whatever he leads me to do. That's what he's calling you to. And I want to end on this slide, Jim, okay? Like I said, you may be here today and you say, wow, this is new to me. I'm not sure about this. I don't know what to make of it all. I get it. I get it. Just keep coming around and let's talk. We'll figure it out, okay? Lord will help us to figure it out. It may be that you and your life have already made this decision. There was a point in time when you made this decision, like I did, you know? And, and it's still true for you today. And yeah, you're like me. You got, God has to remind you from time to time, right? But it's true for you. Praise the Lord. Maybe you did make decisions sometime in the past, but you've kind of wandered away from that a lot. Well, today would be a good day to say, Lord, I, that's me still. I'm forsaken all. I want to follow you. Help me. You need to do that. And maybe that, you, that you've heard this before, or you haven't heard it before, but it's making sense to you today. And you say, wow, that does make sense. I'm going to do that. I want to do that. You can do that right now. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for the high calling that we have. As I think Paul talks about, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus to forsake all and follow. Lord, help us to see the truth about it the way it really is that it's in the forsaking all that we find freedom, forsaking all to you. We find freedom, and this is where we get to know you and what a glorious God you are and worth knowing. Help us not to believe Satan's lie that somehow we're hanging on to something, holding on to something else, or that you can't be trusted. Lord, please cut through that and, and pierce our hearts.